Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Can, can we just get back to the task at hand? We need answers. The best answer is always the simplest. Why don't we go to every devote we can find and interrogate him? Even the baby devote. Especially the baby devote. Baby violence solves nothing. Guys, I'll give you guys German. Clearly, this isn't working. And by the way, it's not me. It's you. This was a bad idea. It's like your junk has been burned into my brain. You're welcome. Primers, and welcome to issue 83 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Next Level Showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Capping Crewcast of Pods, also on X Level, I am Rob Martin. And we apologize again for coming to you a day late this week, but we are coming to you on the cusp, well, I at least am coming to you on the cusp of a... Holy shit, a fantastic, <laughs> amazing weekend at Heroes and Villains Atlanta. Uh, I dare I say this is out of all my weekends of moderating. The best. Uh, oh my God, by far. I mean, I had some <laughs> of the most incredible experiences this week. I hung out with the most amazing people, both in and out of the Arrowverse. Um you know uh, what? Just... Before you get into your stuff, I also was at a show this weekend. You did. I want to hear about and it, too. Cause... Well, let's get mine out of the way. We'll get mine out of the way because I'm more interested in hearing yours okay. than I'm sure everybody else's as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, but there is a brand new massive convention that kicked off this week, and that is by the fine people that put on PAX. So the folks from Penny Arcade brought PAX Unplugged to Philadelphia, which apparently is going to remain its home. Uh, they already announced next year it will be returning and Holy shit. Um, and I don't use that lightly because uh, we try not to curse on this show. One of the best conventions I've ever seen put together ever. It was flawlessly, and I mean flawlessly, run. Um, it was just exceptional. Everything about the show was great. Saturday was a full sold-out show. Uh, and if you've ever been to the Philadelphia Convention Center, that is a big damn convention center. Yes, it is. And it was packed. But... Uh, you could move, which was amazing. Um, we got to play a ton of stuff. There was about maybe 10 of us, and I ran it continuously ran into 10 more pe- like more and more people as the days progressed. Um, it was like, holy crap, hey, everybody else I know in the world apparently is here as well. Uh, but it was such a good show, uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing show. Uh, and we got to play a ton of new board games, uh, picked up some cool stuff, and I got to pick the brain of the guys at a company called Restoration Games. And if you grew up uh, in the early 80s like me and Ben did, um, you'll be happy to know I got to get all of the inside scoop on how Fireball Island is going to be when they re-release it later in about, uh, I think, about a year. 
the Kickstarter is coming up early 2018. But Restoration Games, if you've never heard of it before, if you're a board gamer, they take old games and update them to modern board game standards. Uh, So you have full plastic injected mold of the island, and they said it won't be the same. It will be bigger. They said if you remember that playing that game as a kid and have this massive board, they said, yeah, when you're a grown up, that board doesn't look as big, Uh, especially if you're a person that has ever played Warhammer 40K. Uh, but they did say it is as big now as you actually remember it. And, uh, they said it is not a roll and move game. There's a lot of cool things and, uh, man, I am so excited to play that game. Uh, but yeah, it was, we got to talk to them for a good 15, 20 minutes, me and my good friend, Ken, uh, who are obsessed with board games. So, uh, but yeah, it's just awesome show. Amazing time. Okay. Now tell me all the things <laughs> that I'm jealous about that I didn't get to do this week. Uh, so yeah, so I had three three panels this weekend one of them the first was the first ever uh ota original team era panel they had never done an ota panel at heroes and villains before actually they uh fanfest had done their research this was the first ever planned ota panel ever at any convention uh this is the first time it has ever been scheduled to be just these three people so that was a lot of pressure on me especially since the fans were asking for that uh, ever since they knew the three of them were going to be together. But uh, so I got to meet and be on stage with uh, David Ramsey, Emily Bett Rickards, and Stephen Amell, who were seriously just so much fun to be on stage with. And I was really nervous about because I know Stephen is very particular. A lot of times he doesn't even use it like using moderators, but he does for Heroes and Villains. And he's very particular about who Heroes and Villains uses as a moderator for him. So it was a lot of pressure to make a good impression on Steven. But at the end of the day, yesterday, on Sunday, at the end of the convention, I got word passed down from the VP of FanFest himself, that or herself rather, that Steven was extremely pleased with the panel. Not only that, but with my moderating of the panel. So it looks like there could be a future for me moderating more OTA panels and more of Steven's panels, which is fantastic um the three of them were great so engaging uh and a lot of fun i got a picture with them i posted it to the facebook page a little bit earlier today on my um on my way home uh my second panel was with victor garber and uh, robbie amell for the firestorm panel which i was extremely I, i i got to meet victor on saturday before the panel extremely nice guy he has such a dry sense of humor that it's hysterical um but what made that panel even more amazing was the fact that i had two crashers to the panel uh let me preface this by one other thing saturday i wasn't supposed to be on stage but i ended up on stage on saturday for about two minutes and it's a highlight those two minutes were a highlight of my moderating career One thing I have always wanted to do was moderate for John Barrowman, but John Barrowman never uses a moderator. He's a one-man show, doesn't need it. So I jokingly, I always joke, I'm like, let me just go out and introduce John and we'll be good. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, they just use the recording and and, and John comes out and does his thing. I'm like, I know, but I keep asking. John has a habit of wearing uh, a dress on stage just for fun. So I was with somebody on the floor on Saturday, and she was curious if John was going to come out and address. I'm like, you know what? Let me just run backstage, and I'll check, and I'll just come back out, and I'll tell you. 
So I run backstage. John's changing into a dress. I'm like, okay, John's pulling a dress. He's doing the dress thing. As I just glance in, one of the people who run the backstage section, her name is Mary. Uh, Mary is flagging me to come over. So I'm like, so I run over. I'm like, hey, I'm like, what's up? She's like, do you want to introduce John Behrman? Do you want to introduce John to come out on stage? I was like, uh, yes. I'm like, what happened? And they're like, well, apparently they didn't do a recording for him this week. They forgot to do it. So we need somebody to go out and introduce John. I'm like, uh, okay, sure. So I go over and I talk to John. I'm like, John, they didn't do the recording. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm, I'm aware. He's like, are you introducing me? I'm like, yes, I'm introducing you. I'm like, is there any particular way you want this done? He's like, no, just go out, list off some of the shows I've been in, give him a chance to cheer, say my name, and I'll come out. I'm like, all right, good. Mm-hmm. At this point, I still didn't know what to expect because it's John freaking Barrowman. So I go out. I go out in the middle of the stage. You know, I list off Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Torchwood, Doctor Who. I introduce John in a very high-energy way because that's who John is. Spice Girl starts playing. And John comes out in a dress and starts doing circles around me, looking directly at me, looking directly at me, giving me Mick Jagger lips. And he's just dancing around me on stage for like 30 seconds. And... I if if you see the video, I have this huge smile on my face because I'm loving every second of this. I finally got to do something I've always wanted to do, and it was great. And then after when after I did the introduction, I came off stage. I actually hung out backstage with uh, with John's husband Scott, and Scott and I were just sitting there chatting as John was doing his panel, and his panel was hysterical as usual. So I got to do that. But back to the the Robbie Amell Victor Garber Firestorm panel. The second question of the panel was by a girl in a dinosaur costume, and it was a great question. I can't remember what the question was for the life of me, but the second part of the question, uh, she says, "I just have one more thing. Can you just say Katrina Law is the greatest actress ever?" And that's when it clicked with Robbie that the person in the dinosaur suit was Katrina Law, aka Nessa Al Ghul from Arrow. If you don't know. Uh, about two minutes later, John Barrowman crashes the panel and ends up hijacking it for about mm, 10 minutes. Uh, takes my – well, he asked me for my microphone. He didn't take it from me. And I – it's John Barrowman. Am I going to say no? Uh, I hand him the microphone and he takes over asking a couple questions. And they actually bring out another microphone for me so that we all have mics. Uh, and it's funny because as Victor and Robbie are answering John's questions – John's tapping me on the shoulder and he's mouthing to me, I'm so sorry. I promise I won't be very much longer. And I'm mouthing back. I'm like, you are completely fine. I am loving every second of this. <coughs> so uh, that panel was a blast. And then last, just to kind of wrap it up, we were supposed to have a Canaries panel with Katie Lotz, Katie Cassidy, and Juliana Harkavy. Uh, unfortunately, Katie Lotz had to leave early. And even more unfortunately, for those of you that don't know, David Cassidy Katie Cassidy's father, uh, it was uh, – the news broke on Saturday that he was in a medically induced coma because of uh, organ failure. So um, Katie, she she was a trooper. She finished out the day on Saturday, uh, but uh, Sunday she actually did end up leaving to go be with her dad. So we wish her – and he he's still alive. He's still he's still as of right now, as of this recording, he's he's still alive. He's still hanging in there. Uh, but of course, uh, wish Katie the best. Wish David the best. And um, 
Uh, I did get to see her uh, on Saturday. I get to t- I did get to talk to her on Saturday, and it was very clear she was. Her and her father are estranged. They actually haven't spoken in years. But again, it's her father, so it's it's going to upset her. And you can tell, even when I was talking to her, she was visibly upset about everything that was going on, and it was completely understandable that she, you know, that she left the pan- that she left the con on Sunday. So the panel on Sunday ended up being uh, me, Juliana Harkavy, and. Rick Gonzalez, a.k.a. Wild Dog. Uh, we changed it up to a newer Faces of Arrow panel, and I was on stage with Rick and Secaucus, so Rick was already familiar with me, and uh, it was a great panel. Not as wild as OTA or as Firestorm, but it was still a lot of fun. Rick was very engaging, as always. Juliana was great. And you uh, had a crasher for that one, too. <laughs> I, I had two crashers for that panel. Um, Stephen Amell crashed the panel. And a little bit later on, Echo Kellum crashed the panel. So uh, I had cra- panel crashers all weekend. I had so much fun. Um, I got to uh, hang out with our buddy Drew Powell uh, from Gotham, of course, who was over the moon about how much money we raised with the mug and the artwork and everything else. Um, so he was very pleased about that and told me, he said, anytime you need anything like that again, He's like, you have my number, call me or text me and just let me know and I will happily do it. So Drew was totally on board. We were actually going to do a Facebook Live with Drew, but Drew's schedule got a little tight towards the end, uh, especially with uh, trying to juggle his schedule between my panel uh, schedule. We just unfortunately didn't have any time. So uh, next con that I am at, we're going to do – Drew and I are going to do a Facebook Live specifically for DC Primetime. And he's more than happy to do it. But, uh, you know, I got to talk to Katrina afterwards, after the panel. I got to talk to, um, you know, so many great people, and I had a blast. This was the highlight, and it's looking more and more like this could become a more regular thing for me, especially after how OTA was handled and Firestorm was handled, because I got nothing but high praise from everybody at FanFest for this weekend. So, we shall see. That is... Phenomenal, dude. I am so happy that everything went off so wonderfully. You got to spend time with people that you've been wanting to spend time with on stage. Uh, it sounded like you got some other things signed for some of our winners, uh, which is awesome. So that's fantastic. And I'm just – yeah, that's so great that everything went so wonderfully. So. I, d- I did. I got some stuff signed for, for, for the listeners. And I didn't tell you, but I got you a little something, sir, and I will give it to you tomorrow when we go to Justice League. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we will talk about Justice League, the review, at least my review, because I did get a chance to see it over the last couple of days. Um, but me and Ben will go see it together and we'll put our heads together again next week for the gi- – well, not quite gigantic episode yet. We've got kind of – my guess is going to be a quiet week in the realm of CW. Uh, I don't know how big of a big of the episodes will be this week, but next week, holy crap. Oh, God, the trailer uh, was released for the crossover, yeah. and I can't wait. Get that news out of the way. If you haven't watched <laughs> it yet, pause the show right now. Go watch the full extended trailer for Crisis on Earth X. It is about three minutes long, and it is phenomenal. It is fantastic. I will say uh, real quick, uh, two more quick notes on Heroes and Villains. One, I've been saying for a while, I've been trying to get approval to get footage from uh, Secaucus and from Atlanta. Well, uh, I did get word this weekend that I have finally been approved for footage 
uh, for um, both Secaucus and Atlanta. I'm supposed to be getting that footage this weekend. So, or not this weekend, this week, over the course of this week. So all of my panels, my two panels from Atlanta, or from Secaucus, uh, New York, New Jersey, my three panels from Atlanta, by the end of this week, I should have all that footage. So by the time these shows hit their breaks, um, and we're doing, you know, our filler shows for in between, you guys, you guys will get to hear the footage from these panels. And there's already video out there on YouTube of all of it. Um, Especially if you follow Heroes and Villains Fan Fest on Facebook, there's clips uh, which I highly recommend watching. There's uh, clips from OTA about the the gang playing two truths and a lie. There's another clip of of this little girl Addison who stole the show with her yes, question. Yes, she did. <laughs> she really did. At, at the towards the end of the panel, um, you know, breaking Stephen's heart. Um, and I just have to say, Emily Bet Rickards Ricards is super super sweet. It was such a pleasure meeting her, and more than half the time I was on stage with those guys, the thought that kept constantly coming to my head, and I don't mean to sound creepy in this because it's not meant to be creepy at all, she smells delightful. (laughs) (laughs) She really does. She smells so good. Um uh, yeah, so there, there's that, and then uh, just to, just to let you know, if you're wondering if that came off creepy, it totally did. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, sure it did. There's not really a way to say that without sounding creepy. There's not a way for you creepy. to get away with saying that uh, and not come off as a creeper, but it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I, I understand. There's... It, when you're in tight spaces with people, if somebody's got a funk, you can smell the funk. If <laughs> if they smell smell delightful, you'll smell the delight. And so. she did. She smelled. Absolutely delightful. So I there's um, yeah. So I'll have the footage of that soon. And then I, there was another point I think I wanted to make too. I think I said two points, and now I can't remember the second one I unless I made it already. You may have. It's quite okay. I might have made it already. Again, brain fried from the weekend. If I think of it, I'll, I'll click it in. Uh, but let's jump into now talking about the shows of the week, which is what we do every week on DC Prime Time. Starting first with our uh, one of three point rankings of the show. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend. Let's start first with Supergirl, episode three or season three, episode six. Uh, Rob, we'll go to you. Sidekick, hero, or legend for this one? It may be a point of contention. I've definitely seen it out there for reviews, but I think I'm sharing your score, sir. And Supergirl's getting a legend. It's been a while, uh, but I think it was well deserving, especially for an episode that really didn't have much Supergirl. Uh, it was a it was a wonderful episode. No, I, and you know it was a critique that we gave the episodes last week is that we had three of the four shows, three of the four superhero shows didn't have any superheroes in them. Uh, this time you can kind of make the exception without being Supergirl in it. And I just want to say I, I'm giving it a legend. Uh, it took me right back to Smallville. We even got mentioned. We got some Smallville Mention references. Of Chloe. We, yeah, yeah. we got Smallville references in this episode, which were great. Um, but I just want to say that after watching this episode, I wished we got another show called Midvale. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that could be neat. It, it, well, give it time. Uh, the CW is slowly dominating, uh, being dominated by DC and that's Archie true. shows. So. That, that's very true. But yeah, I'm giving this one a legend as well. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 6, uh, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. See, this is one I'm kind of torn on. Uh, I, I'm really not sure where I want to put it, but I my heart is telling me Legend. Uh, we got another dimension of Ralph this week that I didn't quite expect. And it was this week was like the week of touching moments, um, at least out of three of the four shows. Um, 
we'll obviously get into the one moment in the end of Legends that just had me squealing like a child. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, though, too, um, this episode, it, it, as as simplistic as it was, it was one of the funniest. And was a, this was a great moment to really showcase who Ralph's character is going to be in this. And I really, really adored it. Uh, I, I was so again, Flash is getting a legend out of me again this week. So, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. There was um, you you hit the nail on the head with seeing a different side of Ralph that I didn't think we were. Uh, I wasn't expecting, but in the best of ways. And I mean, how can you go wrong with the Council of Wells? At the oh, same God. time, too. Hair Wells. <laughs> Hair Wells. Oh, God. Wolfgang. Well, yeah. H. Lothario oh, Wells. And, dude, it was so great, you know, him playing off himself in multiple ways. So, yeah, I'm giving this one a legend uh, legend as well. Yeah. The Council of Wells. Uh, I know a lot of people thought it disappointed. I am one person that definitely didn't think it did. So. Uh, no, and I loved with Hell uh, Wells the Grey comes in. He's just like, oh, no, bad connection. <laughs> <laughs> we never see him again, which is great. Um, and I saw—I don't know if you saw the meme from Tom Cavanaugh too on that too, but he—he—he he, he had still images of all of them, and he had it listed what Earths they came from. Like Lothario Wells was like Earth twenty-seven, you know, um, Wolfgang Wells was that, and then it said Wells the Great Middle Earth, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a lot of fun too. Uh, uh, next up, we have uh, Legends of Tomorrow Season 3, Episode 6, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Uh, as the episode was playing out, I was going to give it a hero, and then it did something I did not anticipate at all. And while well, it did two things I didn't anticipate at all, and uh, because of those two moments, I was like, "There's, it's impossible not to give this episode a legend. Because one thing we've always wanted to see, and let's just say it now, Firestein. Oh my God! I got to bring it up on stage to Victor. Oh, uh, uh, you lucked out on your week. <laughs> I going, did. Dude. You I, really did. I really did. Uh, but the other one too, and I hate to steal the thunder before we get into the episode. Nope, go Man, for it. Th- Thamaskira. Man, yeah. there was something amazingly just wonderful about them. Finally, in any Earth, it doesn't matter or timeline, they finally brought up. You know, the home of the uh, Amazonians. And it was such a magical moment. And it feels like it, they took a clip from the movie and just overlaid the ship landing. And yeah. it really looked like this gorgeous shot they, they pulled right out of Wonder Woman from Patty Jenkins. Man, that that was enough for me to say a legend all the way. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, it, Firestein alone was enough for me to, to make a, a legend. I remember I was watching the, the episode of the hotel room Saturday night. And I... One of the questions I had prepped in my head for that Victor uh, Victor Garber Robbie Mel panel was was there ever a point of being Firestorm that you wished it was reversed and you were the physical embodiment of Firestorm? And as I'm watching this episode and their their bodies switch, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, please let this happen this episode, please let this happen this episode, so I can talk about this tomorrow. And when Firestein shows up. I think I squealed. <laughs> well, I got a text from you, and it was just like, "That's right, it's laugh right. out loud, Firestein." <laughs> Lots of exclamation points. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more as and when we break down the episode. But it's a legend for me uh, as well on that one. And then last we have uh, Arrow season six, episode six, sidekick hero or legend. Oh, I'm really sorry to buck the trend, but I have to give this one a hero. Uh, it was a fine episode, but not a lot of movement again. Uh, the great Deathstroke stuff. Uh, don't get me wrong. I loved it last week, 
Uh, but last week I even thought was a little bit better. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it's right on the cusp. It was so close, but I there was not enough for me to walk away from that episode. And I watched it twice to be like, yes, this gets it because I wanted it to be a legend alongside everybody else this week. Good episode. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a lot to complain about really with it at all. It was just in comparison to what we got the rest of the week. Um, I, I got to say hero. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um it was a hero for me as well. Um I I would put it edge it slightly more above last week. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it was a good episode. But still not anything that blew me away. Um so um and I don't want to put it against anything against Manu Bennett because I had the opportunity to meet him. He's a great guy. And Deathstroke is has been the highlight of these episodes, but I don't know. I I feel like it's just struggling a little bit. Uh, with the arrow itself with the arrow storyline itself so i i don't know we'll see you love the characters that they just still don't know what they want to do this season and that's kind of where wait the way it feels but it's all good um you know uh there's still plenty more arrow to come yeah absolutely and i do remember the second thing i was going to bring up um that i'll bring up before we do the breakdowns and real quick i was warned that the fans for the ota panel could be brutal not when asking their questions, but on social media, giving their critiques of the panel later. Like, if I did anything wrong or I said anything wrong, they would literally destroy me on social media because that's how the fans are, especially the fans of OTA. Um, so I posted a picture of me with Stephen, Emily, and David on Twitter and on Instagram. And no lie, my phone has not stopped <laughs> uh, from likes and retweets of the picture. But thankfully, all of the comments, everything has been positive. I haven't gotten one negative comment yet uh, about the about the panel, which I'm sure FanFest is seeing because I'm sure they're monitoring social media. And so, just be thankful, hopefully, that not all those fans of OTA occasionally listen to this these shows because they know how critical we get about Arrow. Yeah. And it would have been like, <laughs> you hate these characters. What? <laughs> Why are you – we don't hate them. We say how much we love them. We're just critical about what the writers do sometimes. Yes. That's about it. Exactly. We think the characters are phenomenal. But my, uh, phone, my phone has blown. My, the moment I tagged uh, Stephen, Emily, and David in the pictures and I hashtagged, you know, like Arrow, DC, uh, you know, uh, Oliver, Olicity, OTA. Like I, I did uh, multiple, multiple hashtags to get as much exposure as possible. And my phone just hasn't stopped. So, which I'm cool. I'm cool with because it's gotten me more followers. It's gotten me more Instagram followers. So I'm I'm fine with it. Hey, there so, you go. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the breakdown of the episodes. Going back to Supergirl episode three or season. I did it again. Season three, episode six, titled Midvale. Kara and Alex head home to Midvale for a little R and R. While there, Kara recalls a painful memory of a childhood friend's death and how that traumatic experience brought the Danvers sisters closer together. Uh, yeah. I, again. Uh, reflecting my my earlier comments, this brought me right back to Smallville. It had a very great Smallville feeling to it, and I loved getting Chloe out of you know out of this mix. I mean, obviously the actress who plays Chloe uh, not available, and she'd be a lot older now anyway. But um, yeah, I, I loved getting the Chloe reference. I loved the Smallville feel of this. I wish this could have been a show in itself. Because the actresses that they got to play, the younger versions of Kara and Alex, uh, were pretty spot on. Yeah, uh, especially the Kara. There was moments where she made facial, like her facial tics, 
where I'm like, holy crap, it's they de-aged Melissa. <laughs> and it like, was throwing me off. Uh, you know, not as much with Kyler Lee's uh, you know, younger doppelganger they used, but uh, they were great. Both kids were fantastic in the show. I think they did an exceptional job. They yeah. really did. And I always love seeing Helen Slater come back into the mix. Oh, so yeah. This uh, was a great excuse to see that again. Yeah. Uh, Isabella Vidovic is the actress that played young Kara. Olivia uh, Nikenin, I think is how you pronounce her last name, played the young Alex. But they were both pretty spot on, uh, as you mentioned, especially young Kara, because I was the same way. There were certain times she was just making facial expressions that uh, I thought were, were great. The only complaint I would say about this episode is – um, the predictability of who it was uh, that killed their friend. Um, yeah, their that friend was uh, that was. They might as well put a spotlight on the the sheriff. Uh, the moment that they showed up and said, "This is the bad guy, everybody." Uh, but just so you know, we have twenty more minutes, and I apologize that we said that now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. Kind of what it felt like, so, uh, but you know what? It was it was still great. It still played off wonderfully. So yeah, and it was great seeing um, you know Erica Durance playing. Well, she wasn't playing Kara's mom, uh, and in essence, it really wasn't Erica Durance either, because uh, it was great seeing John show up in the episode as well. See, I was kind of, I was, uh, for, it took me a moment. I was like, are they doing John or are they doing Allura? Because it, it, it seems like they could have went either direction there, and I wasn't sure which way they were going to pull it. Uh, but when they did John, I'm like, yay, happy, feel good, uh, feel like you know, like feel good and all like wonderful and all these wonderful, you know, happy moments. I'm like awesome. That that's exactly what it needs to be, and I love the fact that he was still involved in her life in the background. Uh, that was just kind of a cool way to do it. So. Yeah, and I, I think that was you know you know you mentioned because I was the same way. Are they going with you know Alora or are they going with you know some other a- aspect of it? And I think the John, I think using John was the better choice because Alora, you you kind of have to explain a little bit more. Uh, Alora obviously isn't alive. So is this a hologram of Alora? Like, and how would you make that work? Uh, especially it being, well, it would have worked at the time because when they were younger, well, you know, Alex didn't kill her yet. So <laughs> very, very true. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, it was, it was an interesting way, but you're right. Yeah. The John call was the right call. And it was not the call my brain went to immediately, which was kind of the funny thing. You think I would have thought about that when you have a shapeshifter in Supergirl. So, yeah, but hey, all good. Yeah, and especially yeah, that was how I was towards the end too. I wasn't really it being Jean wasn't anything that was in my mind until I saw the shapeshift start to happen. I'm like, oh, okay, that that makes a lot more sense. So, um, you know, again, it, this was a backstory of Kara and Alex, which I, I liked getting. There's not really a lot to explore in this episode, and and when I say that, I don't mean that. This was an empty episode because it certainly wasn't. I loved seeing, uh, you know, the backstory of Alex and Kara and how they didn't get along at first and how Alex didn't want Kara to even be there. You know, the dissension between the two of them. Uh, It it really did play out just simply as a backstory. There's not anything that kind of further progresses the season. But I think and what I'm hoping for, at least, that this episode was kind of... Because, again, we've only been giving hero, uh, hero or to sidekick to Supergirl so far this season uh, for these first, uh, what is it, five episodes before this one. I feel like this episode, and I'm, this is what I'm hoping, is kind of a step back. Let's take a breather. <clears throat> and now in episode seven, now let's go into the story. 
let's let's start exploring the story we've been wanting to tell because I think even next week is the episode. I think it's the return of um, of Chris Wood as Monel. Yeah, it, it is. It actually is uh, the next one coming up. So, um, so there's actually it's that's tonight. That's crazy to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at the time of recording this, yeah. And you know what? I, I will say. I, as to kind of mirror your point, it was not an empty episode. There's not a lot to break down, but I kind of like the fact that like these characters have been through the ringer, uh, both for different reasons. And one is be- both because of relationships. And I loved watching them bond because of a relationship. Um, you know, Kara and the first boy that ever really liked her, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that little connection point. And, uh, and it was kind of them as kids dealing with loss and then coming back to that again. Uh, and and moving past it together as siblings. And I think that's the one thing, and you and me definitely stated this the most throughout season one of this show, which was uh, this show is at its best any time that they focus on the fa- uh, the familial bonds between those two characters and John in the mix. And I think that's something that this show needs to not be afraid to embrace. We've been seeing it in a different light this season with uh, the friendships with Caro between Lena and now uh, Samantha, but it's starting to feel like that is becoming more Sex in the City versus the stuff that made Supergirl season one fun. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And what I'm also hopeful for about this episode as well, at the same time, is look for the first five episodes, we've been getting this whole story about the the demise of Alex and Maggie. Uh, or the demise of their relationship, anyway. I, I say demise of Alex and Maggie. It makes it seem like they're both being killed off. Uh, the demise of their relationship, and we've been going through all these depressing moments of seeing it fail and everything. This episode, going back to Midvale, was how they were kind of, this is what Alex needed to kind of not necessarily get over this, but help start the process of getting over this. So now that we're moving forward and progressing with the story, I kind of hope that this episode is also a way of saying, Okay, we know Alex is struggling. This is what Alex needed. Now that we've done this, we're going to move on. We're going to start progressing with the main story of this, and we're not going to focus so much on on Alex and the depression and everything that we're going through. I'm sure we're still going to see some remnants of that as the season progresses. Right. She's still going to have to get over this and as more and more time progresses. But hopefully this is not now going to be a main focus point of the show. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where we're going to fall. It's just going to be the little reminders that this happened. And I think now that Floriana Lima is out of the show, I mean, because they actually have to build to those moments of when it happens. They can't just be like, oh, well, she's gone. Um, and I think they handled it gracefully um, for the most part. They did drag it on a little bit, but for the most part, I think it was handled fairly gracefully. Uh, but now that that is wrapped up, it feels like we can hit the ground running. I think the moment that we see Samantha become Rain, uh, all bets are off and we can, you know, this dive into what the season's going to be headlong. And I'm, I'm, I think that's good. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's nothing wrong with having a slow buildup, but there's always been consistent buildup. And that's what is making this season have a good start um, so far. Not a great start, but a good start. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> I'm looking forward to what this episode is now going to do uh, for the future of the series going into this season. So I, I, I highly enjoyed it. And it's an episode out of any show that they've done so far this season, any episode they've done this season, this one has the most rewatchability for me. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Uh, So anything else about this before we move on uh, to the next show? No, no. That, I think, covers uh, everything that we need to say. Okay. Uh, Looking forward to, I say next week, but it's now this week. Uh, The director of the episode, I don't know if you know this, is Chad Lowe, the guy that actually played the leader of the cult. 
in the, the uh, previous episode this season uh, titled Wake Up. Karen investigates when an alien ship lands underwater. And I'm just going to say this now. Called it. Yes, you did. And that means let's go back two episodes, folks, because that episode gets a legend. So, <laughs> uh, But I don't know if you noticed this or not, but listed in the credits of this episode, Saturn Girl. Yeah, we're going to see the uh, the beginnings of the Legion, and I'm so happy, so happy. <laughs> but and I, I have a feeling what's going to happen is, um, and I'm going to make this prediction now, Saturn Girl is going to be in this episode, and we're going to see those chambers continually open as the rest of the season goes. So I think we're going to get slowly introduced to the Legion, not uh, a single shot. So yeah. Because we do know Brainiac 5 just got cast. Um for the show which is great that means we're getting another legion member a longtime legion member of that so uh that's that that's a good sign and if that person was just cast obviously this episode's been shot for some time yes so i think that's exactly the way we're going to see it and i'm wondering if we're going to get to a point where that pot opens up and we see monel's wife uh it's awkward (laughs) so (laughs) yeah Um, i was happy to be right about that prediction because i i I do enjoy seeing Chris Wood in, as part of the cast, so I'm happy that he's going to be returning this week. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we go on to The Flash, season four, episode six, titled "When Harry Met Harry." Uh, when a Native American artifact collectors, uh, when Native American artifact collectors are attacked by a meta who brings inanimate objects to life, Barry turns to a surprising ally for help. Harry enlists Cisco's help to determine the identity of the Thinker. So. Uh, two pretty distinctive storylines that happen throughout this. Obviously, we get uh, Harry and Cisco working towards the identity of uh, the Thinker and finding out that it's Clifford DeVoe. And then, of course, at the same time, we have which a storyline they say that, you know, turns to a surprising ally. You called it flat out. It was going to be ba- it was going to be um, um, Ralph, Ralph, uh, Ralph Dibney. So. Uh, but there were so many elements of that aspect of the storyline that I loved. I loved seeing this whole coming of age to becoming a hero. I mean, we saw a huge transition in Ralph's character this episode. You know, he, he went from somebody in the beginning of the episode who was listing women by their dimensions. Yeah. Uh, to somebody who, you know, really, really has a heart as he's he realizes a mistake that he makes and he's... Kind of, he's not making up. Well, he's not. He can't obviously make up for it. But he, he's. I'm trying to think of the words to put it. Like seeing him in the hospital with the little girl was such a heart touching moment. Oh yeah, the the balloon animal sequence at the end of that was. For one, it was it was adorable. Secondly, kind of creepy. Not gonna not gonna lie. <laughs> if a random person walks into my hospital bed and is inflating their limbs, I would have been screaming my head off. I, mean, like, <laughs> I was like, "Something's wrong. Get this creepy man out of my room." But um, it, it, but it, it was it was this really heartwarming moment, though. It does bring up a very important point, though, that I I want to ask your your opinion on. This episode, we do get Ralph, and he, he does get a costume brought to him by, you know, given to him by Cisco. But in the comic books, Ralph doesn't really have a mask. He He's very open. If Correct me if I'm wrong about this. Um, he doesn't wear a mask. He's very open about who he is yeah. in the world. So I wonder if maybe that's a transition that Ralph is going to be making soon. Because otherwise, I mean, he just revealed to this little girl pretty much what his abilities are. And I'm wondering if they put that in there and actually are going to play off of that later, which I'm giving the writers too much credit um, because I don't think that's what's going to happen. 
But I could see him being an out and about hero, kind of a la Booster Gold, where they're just all about it and they are all about the limelight. And that's um, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe I'm wondering if they're going to go into this as in Ralph is going to be he's going to have a completely different transition where he's going to say to himself, you know what, I want to be a hero and I don't want to really hide who I am. And he's not going to wear a mask. He's he's going to be out. He's going to be assisting. Because he, he doesn't work for the PD, so he doesn't have to worry about hiding his identity for that. He doesn't have any family that we've met yet, so he doesn't have anybody he really has to protect by protecting his identity. He's very open. He's very out there. So why not just be an well, open superhero? Well, that's one thing that you – when you say that, that's the interesting thing because none of these characters in these shows are an out and about, like, I'm a superhero, deal with it kind of way, you know? Yeah, because um, that's not the case. That's not what we get in any of the Arrowverse shows. Not in there's nobody like that in Supergirl, Legends, Flash, Arrow at all. So I think this could be a really great moment because you're right. You know that the costume that they put him in, the prototype suit, looks horrible. But I it's love ridiculous. that they made <laughs> they made a joke of it constantly, and I love that they did that. And now I'm actually my brain's wondering what costume are they going to go with? Are they got to go with the black and red. Or are they going to go with the gray and purple? You know, all this stuff. But I love the fact that they made that a joke and they played with it and all this stuff. But it was there was so much fun that they did with this episode, especially, you know, the costume was such a key point of that. And I love, you know, where's the costume? Where's the costume? And it's Cisco is like, it's the, you know, (laughs) it's the tarp. The tarp (laughs) is the costume. And then him balling it up in his hands, and it's just like this little tiny doll doll costume, it looks like, um, which was just wonderful. And just him being like, Barry, I need help putting this on, <laughs> you know. And I love how every time you see him and Barry, like, standing together in costume, at, like, talking to, you know, whoever the villain of the week was, and, and or whoever the meta was for this one, uh, uh, Black Bison. Uh, Black Bison, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that you... <clears throat> He's constantly picking at, like, either his crotch or he's picking at his rear end. Like, he's tugging out the the tightness and everything – everywhere that the costume is going that it shouldn't be going mm-hmm. because of how the costume is. But I think it's – I think I like the idea of – as you mentioned, there really aren't any in this universe, in the Arrowverse. I like the idea of Ralph kind of becoming a very open superhero. And like you mentioned, I'm a superhero. Deal with it. Uh, kind of a way. I think I think it would add a different element to uh, to the story and to the to the progressing storyline. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that's a great way because I think we're going to see him kind of continue on and kind of get coached by Barry. And when it gets to you know, you know, I'm waiting for that moment. Why the mask? It's like, well, you have to protect your identity. And I'm like, why? You know, and yeah, that's the question. Exactly. I think we're going to see happen. Yeah, so I, I do like that aspect, and I hope that's something that we get to see as we go forward. But, but a, lo- a lot of great comedy out of uh, out of their story together this week, though. I mean, I, I really, you know, the his chops are so on point, man. And I, I, I apologize, I can't remember the actor's name for the life of me at the moment. But who? Uh, Hartley Sawyer? Yeah. Okay. Or no, not Hartley. Is it Hartley Sawyer? Is his name? Ra- are you talking about Ralph? Yeah. Yeah, Hartley Sawyer. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, he. His his comic uh, comic timing is just flawless. I mean, like especially some of the other sequences that they wrote around him, like as they're being held up in the very beginning of the episode by the mugger. You know how are we gonna <laughs> stop him? And it's just kind of like, well, I could do this, and this is just like you're, you're taking too long. And then just the gunman getting angry. He's like, ah, I've seen a ton of people like this. He's not gonna shoot me. 
<laughs> and I love the fact that like after like he shoots at he shoots at Ralph, it bounces back and shoots him. And Barry's like, "You you shot him." He's like, "No, actually, he shot me." He's like, "So technically," and I, I just love he just shot himself. Yeah, he yeah. just shot himself. Uh, yeah, I I do like that as well. But um, I, I do have a friend who was with me uh, this weekend, and she she's not a big fan of the Flash this week, and it's mainly because of Ralph. She doesn't like Ralph's character, um, and she thinks it's because Ralph is a very sexist character you know referring to the women as their their sizes and things like that and he is he absolutely is that character but i think that him being that way is very important because now that he's making this change this episode in particular he's making that change he's making the development into a hero i think they purposely kind of laid it on thick with his character in the beginning when we first meet him so that when he does make this full-on transition and becomes heroic uh, it's very obvious that he's well, making I, that change. Can I actually make an interesting point off of that? Because I was thinking about that quite a little bit um, in this episode, and it was kind of interesting is they start off his episode, or this episode specifically, by making him as sexist as humanly possible. And then he makes a sexist comment at the end, or so you think, and he says, I got to be somewhere. I got to go see about a girl. Yeah. And then he goes to see a little kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's showing that they're aware and I think it's showing that the writers are aware and they're, they want you to not like him. So when you do like him at the end, it's a big change. And I think that is a writing – that's a writer's tool versus he's a, just a sexist character. Um, so I think, I, I think that was all very intentional from what we saw with the strip club at the bachelor party episode to this. Uh, this episode showing off, you know, because you're even showing the disgust of the female characters. So you're showing that the writers are absolutely aware. Every female character that he's around when he's like, when he does those things, they show actively their disgust. Um, so they are very, very much aware of it. And I think you're going to see them do that's going to start dialing back. I don't think you're going to see this massive overall change, but I think you will see a very different version of his character before the end of the season. Oh, I think so too. And yeah, and like I said, I, I think that it was made very obvious him being that way. It might not make people happy to, to see a character like this in a show like this, but uh, it's done for a very obvious purpose, and that's yeah. that's what I tried to explain to her as well. You you start with a start with a kick like that, and you bookend uh, and change your expectations. Yes, it's 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 a great way to do it. It's exactly. a great way to write a character. Um, let's kind of switch gears a little bit and let's talk about the other great part of this episode and that being, uh, Tom Cavanaugh's absolute great ability to play off of himself in about six different ways, <laughs> uh, or five, I think it was five different ways, but, um, yeah, so it's, the Council of Wells was something that when you first brought it up in the news, I was absolutely thrilled about, mainly because of the fact that we know Tom Cavanaugh's acting ability and how he can distinctively change his personality for all of these characters. You know, we've made no bones about the fact that we love that he can play all these different versions of Wells, and he can play them off so well that you know they're different versions of Wells. Uh, so when we heard about the Council of Wells and we were getting multiple Wells in one episode, we, I know I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for you to say we were very excited. Yeah, about yeah, this. Without question. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we got obviously uh, Harry is one of the is the main ones. We got Harrison Wolfgang Wells, uh, H. Lothario Wells, Wells 2.0, and Wells the Great mm -hmm. uh, in this episode. And I I'm gonna ask this question to you. I'm gonna pose this to you. Which one was your favorite? Oh, Hair Wells all the way. 
Uh, honestly, I don't know what you chose yet for your sound clip for this week. All I want it to be is just nothing good ever comes from eating babies, said by <laughs> the German Wells. Because when I heard that, dude, I paused the show, laughed for about five minutes, and had to compose myself before continuing. Well, you will be very happy to know that I haven't picked it yet. It, obviously, the audience will have heard it by now. Uh, but that's probably what I'm going to go with then. Because <laughs> I know, I, I knew, I, again, I'm, we're kind of speaking from, it's, it's weird because our listeners have already heard what clips we've chosen. We haven't actually decided yet at the time of recording. Uh, I do know from watching The Flash, there was one that stuck out in my head. I can't remember what it was, but it did come from The Flash. Uh, it might have been that one. I can't remember. Um, I, I know... It was a line involving Cisco, so it might have been that line. I can't remember. So it, uh, I'm going to try and use that one if I can. If not, it's going to be from the Flash for sure. Um, but I got to go back as I'm editing. I got to go back and pull the line. So I'll try and use that one if I can make it work. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I I was actually a big fan of H. Lothario Wells. I'm not going to lie. He the moment that he comes back on the second time and he's not wearing pants <laughs> and he's like, come on. He's like, we've all seen it. <laughs> Cisco's like, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, when all of them go away, Cisco's holding his hand in front of his face and he drops. He's like, oh, it's like your junk is burned into my vision. Mm-hmm. It, it's oh, it was so good, but it was very important to the development again this was a very heavy character development driven story this week uh and not as obvious in in this storyline but this is very important to the character development of wells uh and him being able to adapt and accept help from other people because up until this point he's always been very about himself knowing that he because he very obviously is a genius and he knows that he's a genius and that's kind of a character flaw because knowing that you're a genius, you don't accept outside help very much. You want to be the person that provides it. So you bring in all these other versions of himself who are also very obviously geniuses. You you kind of force him to develop into a person that now he kind of has to accept help. Because there is a point throughout this story that he says, no, you know what? I'm not dealing with these people anymore. These people are all idiots. And he's talking about himself. Mm-hmm. And... You know, later on, it becomes a point with him and Cisco that he kind of has to learn to deal with this and, and realize that you are eventually going to need help. That and you <laughs> may not like yourself, and that's okay. <laughs> kind of one of those things. Like, it was honestly, Christ, between Flash and Supergirl this week, it was all about, like, personal growth, like crazy. Uh, and, man, both succeeded. I think both really succeeded this week. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's um, the, the Harrison... I think it was kind of a play that when we first found out about the Council of Wells, we thought it was just going to be something fun that they were going to do. But in essence, you look back when you watch this episode, it's very important to the story and it's very important to the development of Wells. Not only that, it got them to know now that Clifford DeVoe is the thinker. Yeah. So which Uh, with an odd twist at that. Yes, a very odd twist. And I mean, unless you have anything else, we can kind of jump to that. Let's let's just move on, man. You know, we see that the team is, you know, like, we know now how to stop these people. We waited until the last minute, you know, with with Zoom and with, with Reverse Flash and Savitar. And let's just, we know who he is. Let's just take this care of, take care of this now. They, they gear up. They go to the house, the location where they know Clifford DeVoe to be. When they answer the door, 
we get a housewife and her husband in a wheelchair who we do know are the actor and actress that are playing the mechanic and Clifford DeVoe. Uh, but Clifford DeVoe looks very different. He looks normal. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts on this? What do we think this is? Is this a is this a trick? Is this um, hologram? I have no idea. I don't I, know what the hell they did, but nope. my brain's saying hologram. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking with the technology that the thinker has, this is quite possibly a hologram. Because otherwise, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, if he's got a floating chair, he can have holograms. True. I think the mechanic. I think the housewife is actually her, but I think Devoe is a hologram. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a projection of himself, right? Uh, or kind of the same kind of tech that we saw uh, HR uh, use uh, last season. So, oh, being uh, able to change his appearance, right? So, uh, because uh, we saw that a lot last season, so maybe there was a way that they got a hold of that tech. So, very true, or he might already have it. Mm-hmm. Because in essence, we really don't know where Devoe is from. No, we don't. He we don't know. Very if he's... much could be future. So, yeah, he could be someone from the future. He could be from a different Earth. We we don't know yet enough about Clifford Devoe to know what kind of abilities he has, if he has any abilities, so uh, or technology that he uses. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this point now that they are face to face, kind of, uh, with with Devo. Mm-hmm. So um, next week, look, yeah, looking forward to well this week rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Therefore, I am Barry comes to comes face to face with Devo, whose past is revealed through flashbacks. There we go. We're getting what we wanted. Um, the question of who Devo is is going to be uh, coming to coming to fruition this week. So, uh, moving on to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 6, titled Helen Hunt. The legends track down an anachronism from the in 1930s Hollywood where Helen of Troy has started a war between two film studios. Uh, i got to say right off the bat, amazing episode title. Amazing. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Uh, a great play on words, you know, tracking down Helen of Troy, uh, hunting Helen of Troy. I have to say, the actress that they chose to play uh, Helen of Troy, uh, great, great choice because she's gorgeous. Uh, Bar Pally is the the name of the actress that got to play her too. Uh, but um, I love the the interactions. First off, I want to start with the whole Firestorm aspect because you do, we do get this. Because okay. Professor Stein actually does play a very important role throughout this entire episode. So I think it's important that we kind of uh start with that in that they try the process of moving uh the firestorm ability from professor stein into jacks and in essence it kind of creates uh an explosion in which they switch bodies so i loved seeing victor garber playing uh the the jacks role uh playing the franz role or um uh, uh the that half of firestorm because it's definitely fun seeing him go from that man that, they played they played each other so incredibly well they do that that was the best way i could have put it i was kind of mincing my words a little bit uh but yeah but seeing uh seeing franz playing uh, professor stein and seeing uh victor playing jefferson was just so much fun to watch throughout the episode especially like getting dressed up for the party that they're going to and, and you know victor looking at uh franz and saying I look good. Like, you know, being that younger personality, which was great. And having the huge crush 
on Hedy Lamar. And hearing Professor Stein, whether it be Franz playing him or Victor playing him, talk about a hall pass mm-hmm. was just – I laughed out loud at that because I never thought I would ever hear Professor Stein talk about a hall pass. <laughs> uh, you know, have a free pass on on that. Yeah, so no, it was uh, it was uh, th- honestly, I got to say it was so good to see these two kind of be the limelight of the episode because it feels like we don't get a lot of them together uh, where they're uh, the central focus uh, or at least the two of them together. It's sometimes it's Stein, sometimes it's Jack's, but never the two together. It, it seems very uncommon that they're the big one of the big focal points. And I think they both knocked it out of the park. And I think honestly, you know, we, we talked about the way that they are you know let floriana lima you know make her departure man they've been doing such a good job of showing us why victor garber has been such a great part of this show all season long they have done so much with him and have been utilizing him all the right ways this season so far and are reminding us man he's such a great actor and it's he it was such an honor to have him on the show yeah and and it's it's they're, gonna be sad. Doing a beautiful job, yeah. and it's gonna be sad when he leaves. I mean, it it really is because he is he's such a great element of the show that uh, I, I'm really gonna be bummed. And we did talk a little bit about about the panel on the panel about his leaving and such. Mm-hmm. And he did say, you know, I, I'm looking at it more as if it's, this is a leave of absence. Okay. Uh, he's like, because I'm sure at some point down the road, you know, if if schedules work out and things. He's like, you could see, you know, a return of Martin Stein in like a flashback or a revisit to the past because this is what they can do with the show. He's like, and I would love to do it with either Robbie or with with Franz. So it's I don't think he's completely written off leaving 100 percent for good. 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 Uh, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, which I think is great. I would love to see Martin Stein return. But you're right. They're doing such a great job of kind of building to his departure that I'm I'm gonna make a prediction that when the time comes and he does finally leave the show, dude, I think it's gonna be kind of emotional. I have a feeling he's gonna die. <laughs> I really hate to say it, I because the fact that they said yeah, you can always go back to the past and stuff like that, no flashback or whatever. Well, I don't think he. But uh, I, when he, there's a part of me that still thinks he's gonna die, and I really don't want that to happen. I really don't want that to happen either. I, I want so to... many rumblings that someone's gonna bite it during Crisis on Earth X, and I really hope that that's not what happens. Uh, uh, I don't think it is. I think he's still on, in a couple episodes past. All right. So all right, I'm gonna say it then. Casket watch. <laughs> oh, Citizen no. cold. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Say Citizen Cold bites it. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah, because Professor Stein is supposed to be in another episode past the okay the crossover. So I don't think yeah, he's I think I did die. see mid season synopsis came out, which we will not read because uh, it's too many episodes ahead. Yeah, so. I haven't I haven't read them yet. So I, I did, I, and his I, name I, is in the credits on that one. So okay, we'll, so we'll yeah, see. I I think he's going to be well. The mid-season, I think, is only the following week, isn't it? Yeah. It's the <laughs> week really... after the crossover. Yeah, it is. So, so Yeah. So it's, um, I, I do think wh- whether it's a death of Martin Stein or if it's him going home, the way they've been building to this crossover, the way they've been building to his departure, one way or another, I'm predicting it's going to be kind of emotional. Okay. And I don't think I, – I'm going to make the prediction here that I might get a little choked up at it yeah. if it's done right. I'm right there with you. Uh, but my brain just, just just ruminated on something. We'll get back to Legends in a second. Now I'm thinking before that big episode, we'll do a contest. Crisis on Earth X bingo. <laughs> so 
maybe I'll come up with a game everybody can play at home. <laughs> so, oh, there you and, go. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, but yeah, so obviously we get now we're going into the main storyline and we're getting this this search for Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt, Helen of Troy. Uh, Helen Hunt was the name of the episode. Uh, in which there were so many great moments uh, throughout, uh, especially seeing the guys kind of fall uh, over Helen of Troy. Uh, because they kind of alluded that there is something more to her than her just being a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And they never really reveal what it is. As as they go through the episode, there's just something about her that just makes people instantly fall for her. Right. So I don't know. Is there a possibility this could be a metahuman ability? It, it very, very possible. I mean, thankfully, it works really well in a DC show. Uh, I can say, nope, that's the meta. That's cool. That's all it is. Done yeah. and done. Uh, but it's kind of funny, though, too, because, like, I, you know, even seeing the costuming choice for her playing with Helen O'Troy – uh, in the 1940s or ni- was it 1930s? I'm sorry. 1930s, yeah. 1930s. Uh, I, how did I not see that twist coming at the end? But still, what had happened? Oh, God. The fact that, like, I love and I'm really, really, really liking Zari as a character. She is becoming multifaceted very quickly. Uh, and I think they're doing a great job of showing us a little slice of her personality each episode. Uh, I think handled incredibly well. And they're. they're they're hitting the nail on the head on the way that they kind of unveil that this season with her character. I think there were some stumbling blocks last year with, uh, you know, Nate and Amaya of them just kind of slowly stretching them out, not knowing who they were until season's end. Um, and now we have a absolute neurotic Nate, but that's the neurotic he has always been. Uh, but now it's just on full display. And now we're seeing this very heroic Amaya constantly. Um, Zari, they're really giving us a little bit every episode, and what we got from her at the end of this is she kind of feels like the, sh- the team's wild card that you just don't know what she's going to do because she believes it's right, and the move that she takes and says, nope, she goes missing, so uh, this is why she goes missing. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, you, you're absolutely right, and it's one of those things that I obviously we're in that same universe as Themyscira and you know Wonder Woman and such, and I like the fact that these shows are now – they're bringing in these mentions and these little nods to this main DC universe, you know, with Superman and Batman and now Wonder Woman. You know, we got Superman, obviously, and Supergirl. We got Batman and Arrow or Bruce Wayne – close enough to Batman in Arrow. Now we're getting Wonder Woman in Legends of Tomorrow. And if you think about it, with all of these shows, Flash is the only one that's really one of the main Justice League that has his own show. At this mm-hmm. point, at Green Arrow, obviously a part of the Justice League at certain times throughout his career, but um, you know, kind of still a little bit of an outsider compared to the main, the the core group of the Justice League. Flash is the only one that has his own show, but now we're getting these little nods, and it's funny in that scene with, um, you know, with Zari taking Helena Troy to an island of Amazonian warriors. The moment I heard that, I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I know where there's one of them at. And when you saw the island, you're like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> and then you you know it's the island, and now I'm like, okay, I'm like, are they going to actually call it what it is? And then as she's flying away, is it as she's flying away or is she flying in? I don't as, remember. As, as they're flying away, you see it pop up and say Themyscira, Themyscira on the bottom. Themyscira, yep. And it's right in your face, and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. 
Yes. Uh, and it's kind of funny, you know, well, I, I hate to do it again, another fast detour, uh, but it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because uh, just this past week, um, there was a full story actually about Amel coming out and talking about um, that there was something completely different slated for him to say uh, instead of him saying, you don't think Bruce Wayne's running around Star City. Um, he actually, you know, asked for that a little while back and met with all the right people. And it was all the heads of like Warner Brothers and some DC heads and happened to be in a room with them all at, right around the same time of filming and said, and actually said, I think this needs to happen and this needs to be done. And they said, yeah, cool, do it. And they're like, he's like, wait, you're kidding me. And he's like, they're never going to let me do it. And uh, so they get to shooting day. It's in the script. And he's like, they're going to cut this out. There's no way they're going to let it in. And when he watched the episode with everybody else that night on TV, he's like, oh, my God, they let me keep this in. Uh, but he basically <laughs> explained to the, all of those execs that night why he feels that it's time to bring Bruce Wayne into the Arrowverse. So. Uh, God, let that happen soon. I, I think um, it's I think it's a smart idea. I mean, if Supergirl can time. bring in, yeah, if Supergirl can bring in Superman, because they're two characters that are very in tie with each other, you use them just very, very, very lightly. I, I don't see anything wrong. It's kind of the same way with Smallville. Smallville at first, you know, obviously we're s surrounding Clark, who becomes Superman. At first, brought in Oliver Queen just simply as a millionaire. He wasn't the Green Arrow. It adapted to that later on. But in the first, I think the first time you ever meet Oliver Queen, he's simply just a millionaire. At the time, in Smallville, his backstory was that he was the Green Arrow, but it took a little time before that was ever revealed. So I don't see anything wrong with being, with bringing in another millionaire whose name is Bruce Wayne. You don't kind of, you don't have to show him as Batman. You can just kind of hint at it. Mm-hmm. You know, which I don't see anything wrong with that. I agree with you completely. It's time. It's time it, to do this. Yeah. Uh, it, just let it grow in full because I think it's time because they're 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 doing all the right moves. They're making all the right calls. And just remember, it just when they even said way back in the day, um, when they kept bringing up, uh, you know, Raza, uh, you know, Rachel Ghoul, and they kept saying it, kept saying it, kept, kept saying it, and they were getting ready to get to season three. And like, we've been building up to it by keep bringing him up. We've got to be able to do it now. And they kind of made that call. So I'm really hoping that the folks between Berlanti's shows that says it's time. We got to pull that trigger. So let's yeah. do it. I mean, look, if you can take a villain like Deathstroke and pull him from Arrow and bring him into the film universe, I don't see why the opposite is impossible. I really don't. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that could possibly mean. Because now, again, we've gotten the Wonder Woman aspect to Legends. Uh, we've gotten the Bas Batman aspect to... Uh, to Arrow, so uh, who knows? We could see Arrow and Flash, we, or we could see uh, Bruce Wayne appear in Flash, and maybe even get another or more. I, I I don't know. I think this might be the only Wonder Woman reference we're going to get out of Legends. Yeah, I think for quite some time. But hey, at least it was there. You know what? That that's enough for me. Yes, it really was. Um, so two other things I want to make mention, and then anything else, um, you know, uh, you want to bring up before we we move on to Arrow, uh. Something revealed this episode of Legends that I had kind of talked about last week is that it's finally revealed in the episode that Eleanor is Damien Dark's daughter. Uh, we don't know because Damien obviously is pretty close to immortal as far as age-wise. Uh, you know, he's lived for hundreds of years. So is his daughter immortal as well? Is she uh, from a future? Is she a past 
daughter we don't know there's still more that has to be revealed about eleanor uh but i loved actually seeing finally getting to see brandon routh and courtney ford on screen together because mm-hmm. uh, i called that last week that i was hoping we would get uh, a husband and wife scene together and i got to admit eleanor's kind of badass yeah she's kind of an awesome villain and i kind of <laughs> dig her so. um being able to capture the firestorm fire and adam's um blast and just kind of throw them back at them. That's kind of badass. Yeah, she kind of looked a little terrifying. And I'm like, that's a kind of a cool villain. And I'm good with this. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's it's it was perfect. And I'm really happy with right now the direction of the villains that they're going. It's kind of like the Legion of Doom part two. And it's working. And I'm OK with it. And you know what? Just keep it coming. Just yeah. absolutely keep it coming. So. Yeah, and I think the only other thing I want to talk about is uh, I just want to reiterate the awesomeness of Firestein. Uh, you know, it was great finally seeing Victor take on the physical embodiment of it. And again, I got to talk to him about this on the panel. Uh, this is actually something that he he never really wanted from uh, from the start of Firestorm. He was. Um, he when he was first cast as Martin Stein and he knew he was going to be part of Firestorm. He actually said to Robbie that uh, you're going to be the physical embodiment of this, and you know they talked about different uh, developing the the merging process and things like that. Uh, and Robbie told a funny story about how initially the uh, writers all the nakedness, <laughs> the nakedness. Yeah, they actually did talk about that. Um, and Martin and Victor was like, uh, "We're not doing that because." You're going to have to constantly play on things like we're going to have to wake up behind a table or behind a lamp. And Victor's like, and let's be honest, you don't want to see this naked. So, like, he has a great sense of humor about everything. But he did, he did say, he's like, when you tell the writers and you tell people in this in this universe that you're not going to do something, be prepared because eventually you will do it. <laughs> and he said, and that was the case in this. And he said he actually had a lot of fun doing it. He said it was actually a great challenge to be able to do something like that because he's never done anything like that before, you know, pretending to do the physical things like the fire and uh, and things like that. But he said he had a blast. It was a great challenge, and he really enjoyed it. He's actually glad he got to do it at least once before um, saying goodbye to the character. That's really awesome. Uh, you know, I do have one big final point. Uh, last week, we really, really laid it to the Flash uh, for giving us a very poor version of feminism on TV. Oh, I'm glad very, you're bringing this up. Very, very poor. Man, yeah. legend shows how to get it done. Absolutely, that is the way that it's supposed to handle. be handled. Yes. You make the guys seem like idiots because, let's be honest, a lot of times we are. Uh, but... Um, you take them out of the equation and you say, okay, well, instead of them being at a bachelor party and saying, see, look, men are dogs. They're at a strip club, you know, and that's what it is. And instead, they're like, no, they were incapacitated. They weren't in their right minds. And you do have them playing off and being idiots again here. But the women took just took charge and they did so without being like hashtag feminism every six seconds. They actually were just badasses, and they did an amazing job, and they were awesome, and I loved it. And I'm like, please, why is this still not a reason why we have a Birds of Prey show? Let's get it done. Um, I mean, but man, they did such a great job. And one of my favorite things that happened in this, though, still was like, do you think this is going to work? That like, it worked back in the old days, and you see them pulling up, and the truck was you know, just a sign for a horse delivery that they're doing. 
And I'm like, man, way to just play up the like the legend of Troy so amazingly. That yeah. had me cracking up. But man, no, seriously, in all honesty, that was that was exactly the way it should be done, the way it should be portrayed on screen. And props to the folks and the writing team at Legends for really doing a good job of showing that. So um, really, really pleased to see it. No, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was actually a mental note I made and I completely forgot about that. Um, that yeah, that was something – we got hashtag feminism without actually physically hearing hashtag feminism, which uh, I thought was a great aspect to this. It, it was something that needed to be – And then you bookend it with that mascara, which is like you want the embodiment of female empowerment. There you go. That's awesome. Yes, exactly. So uh, props to them. I was really, really happy and pleased on what they did there. So um, – I, I really hope that the female listeners out there uh, of the show agree because I think they did a great job. Unfortunately, being a guy, I, it's really hard for me to say, is this the best way they could have done it? I don't know. Uh, but I think this was a really drastically great step uh, in comparison to what we saw in The Flash a couple weeks ago. Nope, completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, looking forward to, um, I'll say this week, of Legends of Tomorrow. Welcome to the jungle. The team traces a new anachronism to the jungles of Vietnam. Uh, Rory and Nate bump into someone from Rory's past. So, yeah, that should be fun. So, uh, it looks like... Ooh. Looks like we're going to get Gorilla Grodd this episode. It is. It's going to be kind of cool. All right, last episode to talk about this week uh i, I don't know how long this conversation is going to go i don't think it's going to be Short. very long to be honest uh season six episode six of arrow promises kept as slade continues to uncover clues about his son's last few years oliver makes a big decision meanwhile the green arrow leads the team into battle against the dragon a villain who is stealing valuable tech in star city uh, i'll start off by saying uh not a very memorable episode uh, I, I already very, forgot most about it. So uh, me and, too. And I watched um, it twice. Uh, I, I mean, I remember getting a return of uh, Selena Jade, a shadow, for uh, part of the best uh, best moment is they were playing Injustice Two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I was trying to figure out the game that they were playing. Blue I thought Be- it was Mortal. No, Blue Beetle versus Sub Zero. <laughs> I thought it was Mortal Kombat. Okay, yeah. Well, we got the Sub Zero, so. Uh, that's what made me think it was Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that it was Injustice mm-hmm. 2. They were totally playing Injustice 2. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, a, a recap done? <laughs> so, no, no, well, there's there's still a couple other things. I know, I um, speaking to David Ramsey uh, this weekend, David was very pleased with um, a return to Lila this episode, a return of Lila this episode. Uh, not only that, but I very hot and heavy scenes with Lila in which Lila enjoyed being... Uh, and actually enjoyed the fact that Diggle was um, the Green Arrow at the time. She kind of she found it kind of hot. Um, I have to I have to say too. I keep going back to it, and I'm sorry. I apologize more times than I can because uh, I'm still on a high from it. Hey, do it. But uh, my introductions of Stephen Amell, David Ramsey, and Emily. Uh, I introduced Emily just as you know, you know where is Felicity Smoke. I introduced David Ramsey as everybody's favorite Diggle, um, which had Stephen rolling. Uh, Stephen came out when he finally sat down. Stephen, he looks at me. He's like, "Wait a minute." He's like, "Before we start, I have to ask: Did you introduce David as everybody's favorite Diggle?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I did." He's like, "I didn't know Diggle was a noun now," and. <laughs> 
<laughs> David's like, yep. He's like, diggle is everything. It's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adjective. So <laughs> they got it. They got a big kick out of that. Uh, but David did say um, on a live stage, not on the panel, um, that we are going to see a return to Spartan relatively soon. Uh, yeah, this week. Um, I, okay. I do know that. I can definitely tell you that in the synopsis and videos for this week, we do see Oliver back dressed as the Green Arrow because it has to happen because Crisis on Earth X is next week. Yes. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> There's Which... no way that wasn't going to happen by then. Yeah, but there is something very big that happens in this episode that um, I think needed to happen relatively soon because it was a big critique of something we had brought up either last week or the week before in that we got a return to the shakes that he has. Um, We now see him admit to the team that he has them. But one thing I was very wrong about is that he's actually had these before the island. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that or not. He did say that this is something... Um, that he has been dealing with since before Lee and you. Yeah. So I makes me think has he, it, it makes me, it leads me to believe that whatever this drug is that he's been taking, uh, that he was taking before that I think he's kind of going to be done with now, now that he's admitted it to the team. And it's almost like, a uh, and somebody who's addicted to drugs coming out and asking for help. Um, it's kind of akin to that, but he, Whatever this thing was, he's been taking this for a while. Yeah. It's just now been revealed to us as the audience. Mm-hmm. So, um, but other than that, there, I mean, we did get the introduction of Richard Dragon. Uh, of Richard Dragon. Which was. So, eh. yeah. About as uh, memorable as Black Bison was on The Flash this week. I kind of hate to say it, but yeah. Oh, no, well. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. So Richard Dragon, who's supposed to be like this big, huge bad in DC Comics lore um, and is supposed to be like Diggle's like big bad for this season uh, was was equal, if not maybe slightly worse than a one off arrow villain that was captured and basically pulled a night at the museum. Uh, that's kind of sad to say. Uh, so I really hope they do a lot more with that because they're going to need to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see a return to Michael Emerson at some point, too. Uh, this uh, as, week as, as well. Kate, Kate <laughs> so, James. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, again, like, I I hate to say this. It's just not really much to talk about on Arrow this week. Uh, yeah, no, I really hate to say it, too. I mean, like I said, don't get me wrong. I think there was a couple sequences that were really good. And, again, when they showed Lila, I'm like, hey, look, Lila's still a character. Um, and I hate to say <laughs> yeah. that, but it's kind of like it's like she's been so forgotten. And the fact that Diggle's got a family has been it feels like slightly forgotten as well. Um, you know, it feels like we haven't seen Quentin in forever, who is one of my favorite characters. We know Thea's still sleeping somewhere. Um, you know, it's yeah, it, it's honestly like uh, I want so much more for the show and they're just not succeeding right now still. Uh, but the good scenes we got, I love the sequences we got to see with dig and you know new team arrow um you know talking about everything and like i love curtis's little moment it's like i'm really actually kind of offended you didn't come to me first you know on how to fix this you know those little moments and showing who these characters are you know the you know back and forth between dig and renee kind of like i i'm sure you're still one up on me as far as you've saved me more times than you have let me down so i think we're good um you know, all these little moments. But it was, aside from that, though, it was, you know, uh, the a- the ASIS stuff, flashbacks that we got this week, again, as a continuation of last week, uh, between Joe and Slade, or kind of, eh, 
they were okay. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, Manuel Bennett still does an amazing job playing Deathstroke, and I love seeing him kind of completely cracked out like the Mirakuru stuff and just laying waste and being the Terminator, and it was awesome. It's so awesome to see him portray that and them showing all this stuff, but I, it was... The storyline was a little bit more lackluster than I was hoping for. I was, thought we were going to get this big moment. I thought we were going to see the birth of Jericho, and we didn't really. Uh, he kind of just poof, and that was the end of it. And we see Slade walk out into a puff of smoke and, you know, never to be seen again. Yeah, you know, until the next time he makes an appearance on Arrow. Yeah, And exactly. a lot of people were wondering, maybe that's not where we're going to see him next. And maybe we're going to see him on Titans. Because, God, would that be awesome. So... Uh, but yeah, huge wait and see on what what's going to happen with all that. But yeah, I, I, I got to say, wasn't incredibly, incredibly pleased with this episode. Uh, not a lot happened. Ollie didn't have a lot to do here either. It was just kind of more or less in the background of it all. This was kind of Slade's time to shine. And I think they, they told a great story between Joe and him. And, uh, you know, but I think it, it could have been a one one and done. Uh, I don't think it was really quite necessary to stretch it into two. No, I agree with you. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I mean, again, I just don't know. I wish they would have went all in last week and said, here's the flashbacks and what happened in the buildup. And this is what goes down between those characters. And that's that. And then this week, just give us the whole Richard Dragon angle all in one shot. So because I can't even tell you what happened last week that didn't have to do with, you know, the non slate stuff last week. I can't even remember at this point. So. Uh, oh, never mind. I do. It was the uh, <laughs> it was the 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 unsatisfactory reveal of vigilante. That's right. So, but oh that, god, yeah, that kind of reminds you of it's been a bumpy bumpy start for Arrow this year. So, yeah. I'm, but I'm, again, I'm kind of hoping that along with Supergirl and with um, you know the Flash that we're going to see a. A kind of a resurgence and almost like a, a restart of everything. Now that we've gotten these Deathstroke episodes out of the way, we're gearing up for the crossover. Let's now start to tell the story that we want to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, which kind of sucks because there's only two weeks until the season breaks. So, but as we've seen in past seasons of these shows, a lot of times it's we don't even really get big reveals of what the season is going to be until. The mid-season. The mid- until the midseason, exactly. So, and they better pull out all the stops, man, because they they are gonna need them right about now. I, I'm kind of hoping that this week we're gonna get something a little bit different. We're gonna get something more story progressive uh, into the crossover next week, and then the following week we'll get something that's really gonna set up what the remainder of this season is going to be. Well, we do know the synopsis for the midseason finale is very heavy. Caden James and Black Siren, uh, and Quinton plays a very key part in that. So, so my guess is they are the two big bads of the year. Okay, yeah. Uh, then, then I'm I'm all about. It. Mm-hmm. So, any anything else about Arrow? To, uh, please, to please, talk please, about? please be better this week. Uh, <laughs> I really hate to say it because especially I, I I love everybody on the show, uh, and I know you do too. Especially after this past week. Oh yeah, but absolutely. Because I love them so much, I really want better for them. Uh, I don't get me wrong. This is not a season three, season four kind of scenario here. Uh, this is a you can do better. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I'm not I'm not sure about this week only because this week seems like a very uh, holiday centric kind of episode. Uh, I'm afraid of this week. Uh, <laughs> I read the synopsis. I'm so afraid of this week. 
Oliver oh. celebrates Thanksgiving with his family, but the happy moment is interrupted. Meanwhile, Black Siren returns to wreak havoc on the holiday. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see where it goes. My, I'm not my guess. This is not going to be a Christmas with the Joker. <laughs> so no, no, no. Because that not. is an iconic episode. I don't think this is going to be quite the same. I could be wrong. I totally could be wrong. We'll see. I mean, again, I'm still. I've said this before, and I've said this to multiple people who listen to the podcast. I ran into a couple people who listen to the podcast, like people like Anne and 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 such, um, you know, who who listens to us. If I uh, saw them, I would look at them and I'm like, not in the face, not in the face, not in the face, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd give uh, them a huge hug, and then still say, not in the face, not in the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm very, I'm still very, I still have hope for this season. I'm not writing too. the, I'm not writing the season off at all. Absolutely, uh, no, I'm right there with you. It's like you said, this is not a season three, season four kind of situation yet for this show. Um, you're coming off a high season. It's The bar was set really, really high with season five. So it's going – these episodes might not be as bad as we're making them out to be, but when you compare them to the previous season that we got, uh, it it may, it may be making them seem worse off than they really are. And that's exactly probably what I think it is, and I – don't get me wrong, you know, Arrow fans, I absolutely love, like I said, we love these characters. We love the show. And again, it's it just as Ben just put it, man, season five was like the best, best season of, of one of these shows by far. Uh, and it's really hard to top. And I just don't think any show can live up to that. So no, yeah. And that's the thing. It's you, you you're trying to live up to a very high bar. So. You know, uh, we'll see. It, there's still plenty of time left in this season for it to to win us back and, and capture us again. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't even want to say win us back because it hasn't lost us. No, it hasn't. So it's just a matter of um, to please us a little bit more. Right. Uh, and I, again, you know what? I think they're doing a great job of making sure that they're pleasing everybody in the community, in our community this year. I think they're they're doing a really good job of doing that. And I think that's why some episodes there's a little to be desired sometimes for certain viewers. And sometimes you're getting exactly what you want, like the badass Deathstroke moment last episode, which even though we didn't talk about it much, was fantastic. It was some of the best fight sequences. And we got a great other sword fight again this week. I mean, one thing the show never ceases to amaze is its stunt choreography. Um, But, yeah, I think it's, you know, there's we're just waiting for. When is that big, huge shoe going to drop? Because we know what's coming. It's just a matter of what it's going to be, when it's going to be. Yeah. So. And I did get to talk a little bit about the, the stunt coordinating, too. Because, I mean, we, we, uh, we've we talked about this numerous times. As much of the show, the story might be lacking and the writing might be lacking a little bit with Arrow. It's still, hands down, the most the best action sequences of any of these four shows. Um, Legends has come pretty close. At certain yeah, times. Yeah, it's getting really good. I will say that. But um, Arrow, you know, talking about that Deathstroke sequence last week, and I did bring this up uh, on uh, the panel with um, uh, with uh, Julian Harkavy and Rick Gonzalez. Uh, James Banford, because I, I needed confirmation on this. Um, James Banford still does have a heavy, heavy hand in... Uh, all the stunts that are done on that show, even when he's directing and producing now, um, he still has a hand in it. So that was really that made me really happy to hear that that's still the case. And that explains a lot when it comes to these these uh, these action sequences that the show has. Yeah. So um, 
But we already took a look into next week, so that's going to pretty much wrap it up for discussions of the shows this week. So let's talk about some of the news, and then uh, we can get out of here. Well, before we hit the news, I got to talk a little bit about Justice League. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say too, too much, because we're going to talk about it a little heavier next week. But I will say this. I'm going to give you guys my score. Uh, I am going to give it a hero. Uh, but a very high, very, very high hero. Uh, it's right on the precipice. If our if our legend is 8, 9, 10, this is going to get a 7, 5 from me. And I know a lot of people out there are saying, you are insane. Uh, I absolutely disagree. Uh, I, I spent a seriously long, long time um, thinking about this movie after I saw it. And I walked out of there very happy. Uh, and then the critic hat had to go on and I had to spend a good three or four hours breaking that movie down in my head. And, uh, for what happened behind the scenes between losing a director, uh, somebody new coming aboard that have vastly different styles. Um, you know, you have somebody that shoots like Michael Bay and then you have somebody that shoots dialogue scenes like Michael Bay. Uh, not, not exactly the same thing. Uh, obviously, Joss Whedon is the one that can shoot a dialogue scene like a Michael Bay action moment because you're just like, wow, every time that they talk, I can't stop watching. You know, yes, it's you I will definitely say this. The action scenes and the action set pieces, there are some pretty damn cool ones. Um, I definitely think that is definitely the case. But I, a lot like a lot of these kind of big blockbusters. I know there's a lot of people out there that will see a lot more in the action than I did. Uh, I am a type of person now that I feel like I have seen it all. Uh, in every action scene that nothing surprises me and nothing makes me go, oh, damn, um, nearly much at all anymore, um, especially in a CG fest like most blockbusters are nowadays. This is definitely one of those movies, uh, but no different than uh, any Marvel film nowadays. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I do love the MCU, but the same problems that people are plaguing this film are the same problems I see in the MCU. Uh, people are really saying there it's a threadbare plot, uh, which is the same thing I can say about more than half of the MCU. Um, I seriously challenge me on that, and I will be able to back that up a thousand and one fold. I made sure I really thought through this review. Um, but the same thing said could be said about the villain. Um, Steppenwolf was a weak sauce villain, but in the same way I view the MCU villains as weak sauce villains. Um, if you loved Guardians of the Galaxy and were like, well, you know what? It was the best Marvel movie by far. And I still am really close to agreeing with that. But uh, Ronan the Accuser was a very blank, empty villain. You can't say he was multidimensional at all because he wasn't. Um, Steppenwolf is the exact same villain. Uh, in the same way that the Iron Man villains are the same as the ones that we saw in Ant-Man. Same things like that. It's These villains all, don't stand off the page. The things that did stand off the page is what was the most important part of this film, and that was the actual Justice League. And holy crap, did they get this absolutely right. Um, I will say there's a moment that people probably, if you watch these shows on TV, a uh, part of the Ber Berlanti Arrowverse, are going to see a moment in the film between a young Barry Allen and his father, Henry Allen, played by Billy Crudup here, uh, where they're in jail talking. And immediately when you watch that sequence, it's this heartfelt moment. I'm like, that's not John Wesley Shipp. That's not Grant <laughs> Gustin. And then I had to be like, wait a second. I got to turn that part of my brain off. And that was hard to do. I will, I will actively admit it was difficult to do. I will say this, though. Ezra Miller gave us a really fun, different interpretation of The Flash that was neurotic 
and kind of goofy and fun, but a great character at the same time. But honestly, Aquaman was a lot of fun as well. Wonder Woman was Wonder Woman, which means great as a great uh, Batman gave a solid perform. Uh, you know, Affleck gave a solid performance here as well. Actually, if I have to slate any of the characters in this the most, it would probably would have been him. Um, and I can safely say the two biggest highlight characters for me in this movie, Superman and the my favorite, I think, walking away from this was Cyborg. Uh, a character that was really under my radar going into this movie. But man, uh, Ray Fisher did a exceptional, exceptional job playing Dick Stone. And one of the other beautiful things I will say, too, and I get to see it again tomorrow. And Ben, I hope you walk away feeling the same way. Man, every one of those characters got equal sh- screen time. Nobody felt like they dominated over the other at all. Where you see something like Avengers, where it's kind of the Tony Stark show mm-hmm. uh, with 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 the Avengers. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I like you know, Robert Downey Jr. It should be a focus on him the same way the X-Men movies focused on Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, it's not what you see here. You do see an equal share across all the characters in Justice League. And I think they did an amazing job ba- with that balancing act, especially for a film that is relatively short. Um, that is one of the only other things I can say that is a negative. This movie easily felt like it could have used those extra 20 minutes uh, out of the hour that they cut from it. So if there's a lot of sequences you're expecting to see from trailers, uh, letting you guys know now they aren't here. Uh, they aren't here at all. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's a lot of this movie that was obviously recut, reshot. Um, and you know what? In, as far as cin- cinematography and stuff like that, yeah, there's some stuff that's a bit of a mess. But damn, uh, I am quite happy to say uh, I enjoyed this movie. And this is a continual step in the right direction for the DCEU if they can keep the characters going the way that they are. So, um, but Wonder Woman is still the, the gold standard. Definitely this falls somewhere in between Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman. Um, I think a little bit more closer to Squad than Woman, but uh, but that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong. Uh, it was the same feeling coming out of Suicide Squad. That, that was a fun movie, but when I picked that movie apart, I was able to pick a lot more apart than I could Justice League. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing Ben, what you think about it when we go see it tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, again, I haven't been, um, you know, a big proponent of the the DCEU films as of yet, with the exception of Wonder Woman, but I'm going into this with an open mind tomorrow. I do definitely want to see it. I mean, I look at this as the same way Avengers. I mean, this is the first time we're seeing all these characters on screen together. So if just that for that alone, I do want to see this movie. Uh, I'm hoping I can kind of separate the the television universe from this, but um, you'll be able to do it quick. Uh, okay. it's, it's that sequence is the one that's going to take you out for a second. Um, the the prison sequence. Uh, that's it. Um, honestly, once you get used to who these versions of these characters are, it works. Uh, and I will tell you this now: you will be very very happy with Superman. Okay, good. Uh, that's that's another one of my big concerns is that um, I was I, I was worried about how Superman was going to be. Uh, I do know already one thing that was spoiled for me is that there is a scene with the Justice League battling Superman. So um, it is short. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Because I did see five, five minutes of screen time. Somebody somebody posted it on Instagram or something on an Instagram video. I guess they they filmed it when they were in the theater because um, it had the audience and everything. And again, this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But I haven't even seen it yet, so it was a spoiler for me. So suck it. Um, 
<laughs> there was a scene apparently with Superman flying, holding Batman by the throat and asking Batman, do you bleed? And I will actually say that was kind of amazing because okay. there is a great punchline at the end of all that. Okay, good. Uh, uh, I, w- I will ask one final question and then I will, leave, I will leave all of my other questions until after we see the movie because I might not have any afterwards. Are there or are there not any references to any other additional DC characters? Yes, there are. Yay! You don't have to and, tell me what they are? And, and you get it out of the way early. Really? Okay. Good. Very, very early on. Good. Um, was the after credit scene that I kind of guessed when you gave me the choices as amazing as I'm predicting it to be? Both of them were exceptional. Good. Okay. So um, We will talk when we are done recording as to when and where we are going to see this tomorrow. Yes, we will. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Let's do the news and let's All get right. out of here. All right, so let's start off with some Justice League discussion. Uh, we can say this right off the bat. Now, Henry Cavill has come out and said that he is at least under contract to play Superman at least one more time. And he said he's not sure whether that is going to be a Man of Steel sequel or a Justice League sequel. He's like, that is remains to be seen. But he knows 100% he will get to play the character at least one more time. So uh, so wait and see on when that's going to be. Uh, jumping over to something kind of amusing with Ben Affleck, uh, before we get into the weird Ben Affleck stuff, uh, is this, is apparently he did say, uh, he did during the film take home, uh, some things that fell off the truck, like batarangs <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I heard about uh, this. And he did say he kept getting these phone calls from the prop department, like, you sure you haven't found any of that stuff yet? And then as time went on and the phone calls continued he said then he got a bill (laughs) and he said you know you can't exactly have been stealing if you got billed for it which is what happened (laughs) to me and it turns out batarangs aren't cheap (laughs) so um so he did uh get a good laugh on that so uh but now let's get into the sad fleck of it all so and that is it definitely sounds like uh say bye bye ben affleck um which is a shame because i do really like him as batman but it sounds like we do indeed know who is going to be taking over his role if he indeed is stepping down. And that is none other but than Jake and Gyllenhaal. Apparently it is all but signed at this point. And this is Matt Reeves' character he wanted. And they did say this officially. Is they said, if Ben steps down, and whoever steps into the role next, because they even said at this point in time they don't know if that's going to happen, that uh, the film will not be, you know, the Batman as a series of films from Matt Reeves will not be a prequel. Uh, it will not be out of continuity. This will un- 100% be the Batman that we know that Ben Affleck has p- played so far in the DCEU. So they said it is just a change in actor. They said they are not stopping things. This is a continuation. Things move forward. He's like cast and People get recast in films all the time. He's like, how many James Bonds or Batmans have there already been? Uh, But he did say, you know, that's exactly where things are going to stand. They said things will continue on. Uh, So if people demand the continuation of the DCEU, it'll go exactly that way. Even if it doesn't, Uh, they said uh, what we see from the Batman, things could change. They're still working out the script, but that's where we are standing at this point in time. So I I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I love... Affleck is Batman, and I understand wanting to step down from the role. I don't know, however, if I like the idea of this just being a changing of an actor. 
I think if you're going to change the actor, I think you have to change the character. I think you need to write it that this is almost a passing of the torch. This is somebody new donning the mantle. Um, I don't know if I just like the idea of just somebody randomly taking over the role. Uh, You know, they mentioned James Bond, and that's a good example. But James Bond has also not been a continuing storyline. James Bond, each movie is a different story. You're just telling a different chapter of James Bond's life. There's no really there's there's no tie-ins to previous movies and if there are they're all very little that you can kind of write them off this is a movie series that is continuing on with a story it's a big difference from james bond and they mentioned how many people have played batman well that's because you've ended one story and you started another well this you gotta is the look same back story. to the burton timeline and the burton timeline they're supposed to be the same series but look so. what happened. But but also, it's supposed to be the same series. But the stories still changed. The stories you ended one story, you told another. There weren't really many tie-ins continuity to the previous and, ones. Right. There wasn't a lot of continuity. This is one long series with a continuous continuity, and I look at that as this is something completely different. If you're going to make the Batman part of this same continuity of this DCEU, you need to make this a passing of the torch and not just a changing of the actor. Because that's going to throw people off. Yeah, I, it's it's true. But you know what, though, I, I it's a wait and see on what happens. So true. It, it, it's you don't know. And the question is, what you know? It's it would almost seem weirder to be like, hey, look, Dick Grayson's in this universe and he's Batman now. Um, you know, while that'd be fine for some people, people are like, why do I care about Dick Grayson? You know, a lot of people are like, I'm here for Bruce Wayne. And you know what? I was really a little bit worried, but I will say this. And you will walk away from Justice League thinking the same thing. There is an odd man out in Justice League. And there's somebody that looks way too old to be in Justice League. And I can tell you this. It was definitely Ben Affleck. But, I mean, but we knew that from the beginning. I mean, we were told in Batman v Superman that this is a Batman who's seasoned. Like, he's been around for a while. He just kind of stepped out of it. And now he's back into it and he's doing this with all of it. Which is why I think it makes even more perfect sense that this is a passing of the torch. You give this to a younger character. You give this to a guy. And even if you don't make it Dick Grayson, kind of go the Batman Beyond route and pull in a, a younger guy who's kind of you know, discovered who he is. It doesn't, you could go a Batman beyond route in that this is somebody who is taking over the mantle, but it's not a futuristic Batman. It's just kind of the same situation. Batman is older. Bruce Wayne is older. He can't do it anymore, but now he's become kind of a mentor to somebody who's going to be taking over this mantle. Right. And I well, think to me, that's, to me, that's a better route to go. Yeah. Even but if, they're not going to do it, unfortunately. I know. But I mean, I think it would almost be, even if you don't make Ben Affleck, you don't give him the action sequences like you did from Justice League or, B- or BVS, um, but you still keep him in the movie as Bruce Wayne, uh, you know, kind of mentoring Jake Gyllenhaal's character into becoming Batman. That's a good way to pass on the mantle without Ben having to step into the, stepping into the mantle again. So yeah. th- that's just my opinion. I mean, I again. Oh, no, I understand what, exactly where you're at. But, yeah, unfortunately, I don't I don't think that's the route they're going to go. Yeah. So but it is what it is. And it, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it's really going to, you know, the tale is going to tell as far as how Justice League does in the box office. It, it's not having the best opening, but not also having a worse, a horrible opening either. So it's still standing, I think, number seven for the year uh, for as far as openings are concerned. Okay. So, um, all right, 
jumping ahead, let's talk a little bit about Flashpoint. And that is the film, mind you, of Flashpoint. And very specifically, what is and is not going to be in the film. What is not is something we don't know. But what is, is I had to, I had to do this because uh, we do now know the Batman's going to play a role, which probably means Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to be suiting up as Thomas Wayne, folks. Yay! So uh, we did get an official official word from Ursa Miller that, uh, yeah, they said uh, it, it's, it, it's going to happen. And uh, Jeff Johns, who co-created the TV series of The Flash, let it create a role in the DC Extended Universe, says, you know, there's elements in it that we're going to be playing into that we couldn't do anywhere else. The scale of it, the Batman of it all. And everybody's like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, and I will say, after you watch the movie, watching a Barry Allen like the one we see in that film get his comeuppance is going to be fun to watch. And okay. be like, oh, shit, things are not bright and sunny. And it's going to be fun to watch him flex dramatic muscles because we know that actor can do it. Yeah. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out. All right, uh, a little bit more about some characters that could be on the horizon for the DCEU as well. It sounds like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter are the next two to make their appearances somewhere in the DCEU. So wait and see on when or if that happens. So we'll, uh, we'll find out probably by City of Comic-Con uh, is my guess. So, all right, let's get into the final uh, little bits of this all and that is the crisis on earth x crossover which is happening in two weeks time folks um uh, actually really closer Less to a week's time at this point yeah. um but like i said if you haven't got a chance to as we mentioned before that full extended trailer is out there if you haven't gotten a chance watch it if you want to be surprised definitely do not uh, but one thing i gotta say man uh citizen cold the fact that we got a classic captain cold visor on wentworth miller makes me all of the happiest in the world so uh, but yeah uh but last story we have to talk about this week is this black lightning is getting its premiere date and uh so are the returns of all the other shows so monday january 1st supergirl kicks it off at 8 p.m and when it comes back from its break uh then we do know that is apparently going to be an encore uh um actually so sorry i take that back so it's just they're just playing back the previous episode um it sounds like the week of uh, January 1st through 5th, Monday through Friday, is going to be a week of encores of the mid-season finales. And then coming back January 15th, coming to Supergirl. Tuesday, January 16th, The Flash at 8 p.m., followed not by Legends of Tomorrow, but followed by Black Lightning uh, at 9 o'clock. Um, what's very interesting, Wednesday, uh, does Riverdale and Dynasty. Thursday, Supernatural. Uh, followed by Arrow at 9 p.m. Friday, no Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, it sounds like it will be taking a longer break than all the other shows and will not be returning until sometime in February. So um, nobody is entirely certain when that is indeed going to be happening, but um, it sounds like that is the general consensus is mid-February will be the back half of Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, but that does it for the news. Uh, let's do some recommendations, cheap plugs, and all that fun jazz. All right. Um, so uh, my recommendation is um, a little odd, but I, I don't even know why I thought about it, to be honest with you. Um, 
I, I something I wanted to bring up to you, and I, I'm just going to recommend it to people just because it's stupid and it's fun. Um, have you or have you yet? Have you not yet seen the trailer for the newest Dwayne the Rock Johnson film? I absolutely have. I commented okay. on your video the moment oh. that you posted it because <laughs> I was like, "Why is this look? Does this look good? Uh, and or at least not good, but why do I want to see this?" That's right. More specifically, why do I want to pay to see this in a movie theater? <laughs> so. so I'm just very simply going to make the recommendation because something you said earlier in the news made me think of it. And I don't know why. So it's the only thing that popped into my head um, is uh, just go watch the trailer for Rampage because I really want to see it. I've watched that trailer easily a good 10 times. Yeah. So I've only watched yeah. it about three times, but still um, uh, I'm excited. I just don't want to see it. I don't even know why. My brain's fried. I apologize. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, My recommendation this week uh, is something you can do right before Turkey Day. And that is by going to your local comic book store or comiXology and buying the Doomsday Clock number one. Uh, This is what the DC uh, rebirth has been building up to. The early reviews hit today. And everybody says, holy shit, it is amazing. Um, And I am absolutely beyond excited to check it out so cool uh so cheap plugs uh you can check me out on my other podcast here on the next level podcast network uh the showcast spotlight which is the interview celebrity interview podcast uh portion of the next level podcast network www.nextlevelradioonline.com facebook.com slash next level radio online and of course the facebook page for dc primetime facebook.com slash dc primetime also if you're a subscriber to us on itunes or google play all we ask if you find the time is to leave us a review on there as well and as for me you can always find me at the captain group cast of pods through next level radio online.com as well uh the last episode we did was on was that no that was our halloween episode Pirates yes the one before that uh, i believe the next episode will be a show all about villains so nice. I'm really looking forward to doing that one. I got to get that scheduled out. That will be really close to near the end of the month with the holiday coming up on us. So maybe recording that next Monday. Wait and see. So uh, we'll see what happens with all that. But we will get that going up soon. And a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him each and every week for the tunes you get to hear in this podcast. Uh, next Monday does not work for me as I have a dentist appointment and I will be talking like blah, 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 blah. Okay. With, well, uh, we'll uh, my mouth will be numb. We'll get it figured out. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so that being said this week, penultimate to the crossover crisis on earth X, uh, next week. Holy shit. After watching that trailer, it's finally happening. Mm-hmm. Crisis on earth X. It's going to be awesome. Um, Footage and audio from uh, Heroes and Villains Secaucus and Heroes and Villains Atlanta will be up and part of the podcast soon once I get it. So expect that over the holiday season. You'll be able to hear that. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, commenting, all that fun jazz. But we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.